0: Right at the Fork is supported by Picnic, the app where you can share and discuss your best dishes. Picnic. Eat better together. That's P-I-Q-N-I-Q. Download it today on iTunes.
1: We're back for another week. It is right at the fork, and I was going to say this, Chris, I am, Court, your host with the least, in this case, the least food knowledge here in Portland. I you're, don't think so. You're the There's, host with the most. No, I'm going to hope <laughs> that after listening to the
2: podcast intimately yeah. for two years, right, all the episodes, you're sitting in that chair engineering it, that you are far from the least food-educated
1: person in Portland. I think you know a lot more than you think you do. I've picked up quite a bit. Not to the point, though, where there's so much in Portland, and it's so hard to navigate, but I'm hitting you up at least a couple of times a month saying, like, hey, here's, you know, here's the area of town we're heading to. What are my options? And, And you're normally really great with giving me, like, more than I ever need. But uh, so when I, uh, my my point is just this, is when, it you know, I'm the least, you're the most when but it comes to food I, knowledge.
2: But the way I look at it, we have a mix of listeners who listen to the podcast, some yeah. who are reading Eater and very up and probably and definitely know more than I do right. about this. We're all learning as we go. And then we hopefully have a lot of listeners who want to learn more about the food scene or just interested in the people who are participating, chefs right. and so forth. So I think, uh, you know, much like anything else, when I started – My uh what got me into the food scene in Portland, Portland Food Adventures. I didn't know I knew a very few restaurants intimately Mm -hmm. and 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 chefs. I wanted to get to learn more after sitting at chefs' counters and thinking, this is pretty awesome. So let's let's hope that this podcast is like sitting at a chef's counter.
1: But very much so, and and the behind the scenes story. I mean, we're going to get into that with our guests today. Yeah, some of the behind the scenes stuff. My my, the question I didn't want to ask. Was what do you think is going to happen uh, after this podcast is released? What big thing is gonna can I don't want to say blow up? But last time we had Kana on the show, some big changes came into her life. Yeah, if, if there was any sort of uh, I don't know. Well, they weren't worry, prompted. They weren't prompted by the show itself, right? I know, but it was just the timing was right there. I mean,
2: right? Well, we know that she's got big changes when the restaurants open, B and the Solo Club, her two new places, but. We're talking specifically on this podcast uh, about what happened that led to these restaurants—one reopening and one opening. Yeah. Uh, And I think it's awesome of her to come on. I asked her, "Will you be? Can you? How much can you talk about?" Because usually, after legal legal situations, uh, there's there are gag orders, or it's just not a good idea. The attorney will say, "Listen, don't talk about this. It's done." Right uh but so really cool of her to come on the podcast and and talk about uh, well as i mentioned during the podcast yeah. her previous episode back in april i think of 2014 mm-hmm. it's one of the earlier ones so if you search our archives was the most listened to podcast that we right at the fork episode that we had and um and uh, so this is going this is interesting to have her talk about what as you said, something big happened right yeah. after that. So we really appreciate Kana coming on the podcast and, and uh, giving us a little insight as to what went on with Wildwood and Esau's to get to the point where they are right now. You like that? Sure. Um, yeah, In I, stereo,
0: I'm, literally. Yes.
2: Huh? And I'm glad you didn't <laughs> think the court was just giving you these as a, as a guest parting gift.
1: It's no, very the, the professional. Cheap, cheap headphones, is what those are. They
2: are pretty cheap. The, yeah. uh, but you know, they're something. Right. A little memento of the show. Pretty much going along with the the quality
1: of the show, which yeah. we're upgrading now that you're here. We're would, trying to do that. I wouldn't say the product was any less than it what it is now. Before, well,
2: anybody who listens knows I'm fairly self-deprecating, <laughs> but I, I like the show. Otherwise, I still wouldn't be here third year. And we haven't had, have we had a repeat guest? No. This Kena?
1: No, we we have we've had uh, we've had uh, Brett uh, Brewmeister. Yeah, but that was for us. Yes, that was a soundbite. Well, that that's was true. No, you're interviews. right. <laughs> so
0: um, I'm feeling incredibly honored.
2: You should be honored. Absolutely. You're like you're one of the you are one of the very special people in Portland, and more more specifically, the Portland food scene. <laughs>
0: There is a plethora of just very special people I in know, that said scene, and I feel lucky to be included in
2: that. Right, but so you're you are associated with two of Portland's. You could argue if you had a armor. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, one's coming back, so one and a half. But um, but one could argue that you know ten hallmark restaurants in Portland, Wildwood and Beesau's would have been on that list, correct?
0: I think that there could be an argument for that absolutely. Right.
2: I mean, there's lots of people that could say no, they shouldn't or one shouldn't. but I think it, yeah they, I mean they're... Wildwood
0: had a 20 year run. It absolutely was legendary. It was at the very forefront of what is helped create the food culture in Portland. And Besaus had a solid 112 year run in its old location and soon to be opened in a brand new and shiny location. Yeah, I think that it's been a real blessing to be a part of both of them.
2: Well, here's how, you know, obviously, the story of Wildwood closing was a big story in Portland, but in terms of this podcast, when we had you on, and we actually recorded the podcast before you had, I've since found out you had a clue that (laughs) that, that Wildwood might be closing, but you didn't make it clear on the podcast, and... So we recorded it based on the fact that you thought no, there would be no problem. As a matter of fact, I looked back through my notes this weekend to just see our little history, and we had been talking about doing, in the process of doing a Portland Food Adventures event at Wildwood. So now I'm thankful we're going to be doing one at the Solo Club, but that's for later.
0: Absolutely. And I think that I am, at the end of the day, an eternal optimist mm-hmm. and would have loved had that been able to work out. However, with a little hindsight and a little time, time and space, just realize how lucky I was to have been involved for a number of years, how lucky I was to help close out that story. And you did
2: it very graciously and the the city got behind you in a big way. Both places. Yeah. As a matter of fact, but just Uh, The one thought I was going to make was an indication of how important Wildwood was to Portland in a very small way. This is just anecdotal, but the podcast we had with you when we recorded you before and after was more than two and a half times the listeners for any one podcast that we've ever had. Wow, that that one. uh, Wildwood
0: definitely touched a lot of lives. A lot of lives in this community, you know. It's such a lengthy list of people who went in and out those doors, both from a clientele customer side as well as such a bevy of restaurant professionals that made their mark there, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of
2: them. So let's talk about, you. you know, one of the wonderful things that you agreed to do was to come on and talk about what happened with both Wildwood and b and be very frank and honest, and, uh, which you are, but there are certain things that obviously are <laughs> not always for public consumption, but I think you made, made it clear that you'd be happy to talk about what went on. So let's start with Wildwood because that was first, right? Yeah, so, it was
0: first. And Wildwood definitely came about in a much more sudden turn than what happened with b but at the end of the day with Wildwood, we just could not come to a, you know, we couldn't work through a negotiation that both sides were happy. And it is a sizable space, with 7,000 and square feet. it's still empty.
2: It's still sitting yeah, empty. Yeah, it's a little
0: heartbreaking for, every time we I drive by. We were talking about that
2: this morning, Court.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, no, I've actually, I've heard that from multiple people talking about where Wildwood was and that it's still sitting there empty and that for it to go away and have nothing this long afterward, still you know, still in that place. It's just crazy.
0: Yeah, and the hike in the rent was just a pretty penny, and it was just a little out of reach in terms of what was realistic to have a thriving business at that location. So while it was really disappointing, there was no... I mean, we tried everything to make it work. Dustin and I both, um, you know, at that time had... Wild hopes that this was going to continue on for another 20 years. Business was thriving. We, you know, turned it around kind of post recession and would have loved that opportunity. However, you know, one door closes and another one opens. And at this point, at these crossroads, I could not be happier that it worked out the way it did. So it's funny what's a blessing in disguise. You know, in the moment, it was incredibly emotional. And I made some of the best friends in the world at Wildwood and met so many amazing people. And I know that I've spoke to it being so relationship-based, but the connectivity between the farmers that have been providing for two decades— the winemakers that you know the whole kit and caboodle it was real it was palpable and
2: and the, and it was it was the seed or one of the seeds that was planted in portland to make that whole farm to table the farm to table yeah what I Corey wouldn't call it a and movement, his food i'm going to call it ethos it's an ethos absolute, really
0: they were it was very much a landmark restaurant in portland and like i said just was so honored to be part of it
2: so, how many people were involved in that negotiation? And do you can you describe the moment for you when you said, "This isn't going to work. We're going to have to. I'm going to have to close." Can you describe that?
0: Yeah, the negotiation really was between the landlord and uh, Dustin and I, mostly myself um, doing that. And it was just something that we couldn't agree to. I was in the process of. Buying out the my partner, the previous uh, owner of wildwood. and when we realized that we were just spinning our wheels, and, and how
2: long had that spinning been going on?
0: It'd been going on in earnest for a couple months. You know just we had two different uh, goals, and well, there was
2: you're supposed to run a restaurant. <laughs> And, you know, and theirs was to maximize revenue, and then I guess one could look at it right now and think, okay, if you amortize the coming up on two years that it hasn't been opened, was that worth the rent increase that the landlord was going? Now, it's hard, not fair for me to say because I wasn't in on the negotiations, but it, it would just seem to me that's kind of a factor now after the fact looking back.
0: And that being said, you know, it was a business decision for the landlord. He's a wonderful gentleman. I have no ill will. It was simply, he had a much bigger picture, and mine and you know was what that more is? finite.
2: Do you know what that bigger picture is? Because a lot of people look at building had to do, do with more of a
0: long-term investment, and you know, I, he has owned that property for decades, and so I think the return on that investment was much, much bigger, you know, had to do with his entire portfolio rather than that singular space. Place.
2: So even a short term lease, were you interested in a short term lease just to go for a couple of years? Because now you look at the neighborhood and I mean, one, anybody with a business sense can see, OK, there was some opportunity here that in those days, most most of us might not have seen. But now you see all the buildings that have gone on, on around there. You can see they
0: I would have been interested possibly in that conversation, but it wasn't on the table. And a restaurant is such an commitment, such a commitment, such a big investment in terms of both the financial side, the implications, as well as, you know, the family you're taking care of, how many lives are involved. And so I think having stability for the long term makes the most amount of sense. And after what I've been through... I myself am a huge proponent of security. And so that just wasn't part of that equation at the time. So it was bittersweet and um, sad, you know, at that point in time. But like I said, we're onward, upward.
2: Were you, um, at the time when you were saying onward and upward, you know, closing it, were you, was that... um was that heartfelt? Did you really, could you really see the moment where, okay, there is a positive out of this? Because I've been through a few some diversity in my life, and I, I remember at the time saying, okay, oh, no, absolutely. I'm, re- I'm reading the poster right now that it's going to be okay.
0: I saw no positive in the moment. <laughs> yeah. I have a great stage face, yeah. and I can fake the funk with the best of them. But I think to get through some of the hardest parts of life and those crossroads that you don't have total control over, all you can do is put your best foot forward. And then with a little retrospect and hindsight, you can look back and extract those you know, life lessons, those things that you learn and build from moving forward. But in the moment, I personally, half glass, you know, full kind of person, it's just the best way to get through. It's a mode of survival. And it was very emotional, and I am a very emotional person. So it was a tough one. But
2: And you had Dustin to go through it with uh, you. And yeah. in addition to all of Portland put their arms around both of you and said, Hey, we love you and
0: You know, so support. many of the staff had been there for a decade.
1: That and, was that was gonna be my question is what that was like going to the staff that had you know, and and you're talking about trying to secure their security, job security, not only yours but theirs.
0: It very and, much. About and
1: you theirs. were just you came up short. And I'm sure that was part of the conversation is that
0: yeah, and letting yep. go of seventy people is still one of the worst days I've ever had. It, I mean, I can almost get teary-eyed thinking I about can it right see
1: now. See you are right
2: now. Let's take a picture. No, oh yeah,
0: got <laughs> a face for radio. Um, yeah, it was it was rough, and it's just you know, it's a moment. Everybody moves on, and there is so much opportunity to come from it. And there's so many chapters in life, and sometimes you get to choose to turn the page, and sometimes it for you.
2: If I recall, you were actually in, you were posting and trying to place people specifically for their positions at the time. The outpouring
0: of support in this city has just been crazy. It's been noteworthy and overwhelming at times. But I cannot think of another industry, another community that I would want to be part of. I love what I do so much. I love This community, I love this city, and I can't even tell you how many dozens of restaurateurs and chefs and managers and friends of friends helped find homes for everyone. It was awesome.
2: So are some of them coming back when you reopen? Not Wildwood, but you've got two restaurants now. And
0: that's a little bit of the other side of the coin where it gets a little dirty. But yes, the <laughs> other is a little reunion happening. And I think that this new spot is going to be this really amazing hybrid of the two. And so... You know, being able... That's to, the
2: solo club you're talking um, about. Actually,
0: B-Saws B-Saws is, is going to be the hybrid. Yeah, okay. B-Saws is going to be the hybrid of somewhat... You know, it's ironically located right in between where both Wildwood and B-Saws were. Yeah. And having the opportunity to work with Dustin Clark again is on just... On both restaurants. On so both restaurants. Conf- yeah. That's why so I got confused. But he, now we're doing both of them together. Right. It's a little bit of uh, glutton for punishment, but...
2: No, I couldn't say no. Well, I know. And you had even talked about when you joined us uh, a couple of years ago that you two had a project in mind. So I guess now it's happening. You You were forced into it.
0: You know, I really believe in BSA's being revitalized and being a part of that neighborhood. It's a gathering place. It's, you know, benchmark for all of these items that we touch on here, connectivity, relationships, history. History. Just love. And so getting to redo B and open it in its best light and with everything we could ever hope for is just cool beyond belief. But Dustin and I had also been working on another project, which is the Solo Club you mentioned. And that's really our creative vision and something we've been pining to do for years.
2: So just so people know, um, because I can't I can't imagine that everybody knows what Wildwood, obviously, and b were things you stepped into as an investor and owner mm-hmm. that had established, very established properties in, in Portland this is the one that both you and Dustin get to, to get to invent from the ground up.
0: And I think it was just an itch that I needed to scratch. However, it has been such a learning curve and, and education. You're not open
2: yet. Wait till oh you, my goodness, I'm hurry. not even more open yet. In front of you, I'm
0: barely stringing full sentences together today. But so B and Solo Club are located right in Northwest Portland. They're going to be next door to each other. We are hot on the heels of getting B-Saws doors open.
2: So um so we're talking about B-Saws, let's talk a little bit about that debacle. Oh, what that. What what is the word that you referred when if you're talking about B-Saws and that whole what went on? What is the one word cuz I keep coming up with debacle. That's debacle's that's, pretty
0: good. <laughs> you know, it I had been swimming upstream for so long with that situation that I feel like the world, the weight of the world has lifted off my shoulders being through that. And it has made me so appreciative for many things. It helped me learn to negotiate. It allowed me to learn to stand up for what I believe in and what I know is right. It allowed me to advocate for people that I love. And it's a lot of responsibility, you know, having your fingers on many, it's, many, sli- many lot. livelihoods. And you,
2: ju- and you had already just not <laughs> long before gone through, you know, big adversity. Yeah, so one could argue my
0: luck. I sh- probably I don't should know stay away luck. from Vegas.
2: So, so let me ask you this one. You had just said that, um, you know, you, you were able to learn about negotiation Were you a good negotiator when you took over those restaurants? Was that one of your strong or your weak suits?
0: Oh, absolutely a weak suit. (laughs) I would still say that if I can make it a 5 out of 10, that'd be great. It's just not my jam. I don't love to argue. I don't love to advocate for myself necessarily. I've definitely learned that that is something that is important. And I feel that I've had... Great experience, you know, navigating that. However, that's definitely not one of my strengths.
2: But you know, you have now proven that you'll walk away from the table, which mm-hmm. is a good, which is pretty good negotiating strength going in to know that. Hey, she might. Like for away. a lot of
1: people, that's the toughest thing to be able to do. Yeah, to, to walk away. Yeah, and, and you know did, when to do it.
2: Right, and you did it twice in two very difficult situations. So. I mean, I don't know, in b did you walk away or did you just get to such an untenable spot that the lawyer stepped in and did the rest of the work for you?
0: You know, I don't know. It was as much walking away as it was our lease wasn't renewed. And there have been years where that information was conveyed differently. Mm -hmm. And there were many, many, many empty promises. And it was a matter of people not doing what they said.
2: So when you say empty promise, what were some of the promises that did not come to fruition? A long-term lease. That that would be be coming.
0: With the property owners. Right. Oh, it was just, oh, we're almost there. We're going to do this. We really want to have you. We really want to stay, you know, have you here forever. You know, that location was sweet. And there is something to be said for 112 years in the same location. And as much as that building was a piece of shit. There was a lot of emotional, you know, uh, connectivity to it, and you can't recreate that. And I am still a big fan of, you gotta have some funk. If everything is new construction, you lose all soul. It's not to be said that new construction can't have soul, but you've gotta have a little bit of both.
2: Well, you have to build the soul. Yeah. So, uh, you need people in a restaurant over a long period of time for it to start to take on that character and that soul. You, you, you can think of some restaurants that opened in the past four or five years that have soul, right? Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. didn't take long for them to get it up. So you can do that. Um, so did you um, uh, edit point... <laughs> oh, <laughs> as long as you look at as long, as long as, long as, as you're not way, pointing to me for like the
1: next question, because I'm just like, oh, you're going somewhere. I'll no, just erase mine in my no, head.
2: I was the first one to, to need it. So, <laughs> um, did you, wh- when that came about, did you, um, as it as it happened, did you get start formulating what you could do? Before it was all over? Or did you just, What did it end? Did it crash? And then you said, okay, I got to pick up the pieces here.
0: No, I was ready to run the next day. You know, I'd been working on it for months, been looking at properties, looking at spaces for the whole previous year, because I knew this was impending. And the more and more nothing happened, it was only obvious that I had to have security. You know, you can't operate a business with Vendors and farmers and people that are paid and on a month-to-month basis, you yeah. know, there is no security in that. And, you know, maybe something that is a little bit more manageable or a smaller-sized business that is an option. But with, you know, I think once you kind of hit over 50 employees, then that weight of responsibility, you know, takes on its own.
2: How many employees did you have there?
0: Um, I had about 55
2: Okay, so do you remember the word, the first word that either came into your mind or came out of your mouth when you found out that the plan was for to take the B-Saws name away from you?
0: I was shell shocked. Can you I describe the, the
2: scenario when you heard that?
0: I think that at that moment when I got that.
2: And how did that come? Was that in a conversation it or came an email? Be a certified
0: mail. Certified mail, okay. And I was so shocked that they would want it, that they, because they just had no investment in that property whatsoever. They never were around. They never cared. They. It was, you know, it was such a small blip on their radar that at the end of the day, you know, it wasn't economically motivated. Why our lease wasn't. And it was just really bizarre. And, you know, I don't know what else to say other than it made no sense.
2: And who did you who was the first person you called when you got that certified letter to go to, to say you can't believe what I just got?
0: I think that I would have definitely. I did definitely call my boyfriend and vented, and he is such a savvy. He's gone through business both of these
2: with you. Individual. What does he do?
0: He owns his own business in Portland. He owns Bishop's Barbershops. Oh, so okay. he's an entrepreneur, and he is
2: been a customer there a few times.
0: The opposite uh, of me in terms of how we operate our business. He is. You know, incredibly, he has no problem advocating for himself. I guess that's the best way to say it. He is smart. S- he is.
2: Sure. He's very helpful through yeah, this. And so just to know he was guidance. there. Someone who, who kind of has had experience in real estate and business. That was helpful.
0: It was super helpful. But I called our general manager who has been a friend of mine for a long, long time and been with me at Vsauce for the whole 10 years. And we started to put together a plan after that. After that.
1: I've got a question that has to do with uh, you following the the interwebs, the f- social media following of the B-Saws. What, what were you calling it earlier, Chris? Debacle. The debacle, the controversy, whatever you want to call it. We'll get to that question in a minute, but first, Chris, we must do some blatant product placement right here in the show. Oh, it's not going to be real blatant. We're really good at just, just, it just it's blending not, it in. Well, is it So this conversation right now is actually a smoothly blending in picnic? Yeah, picnic. P-I-Q-N-I-Q. Have yeah. you heard of picnic? I have.
2: And how have you heard of it?
0: Well, I believe it was your last <laughs> conversation with Kurt Huffman. Oh, and so then I had to go and let my fingers do the googly. And it
2: works. I love the domino theory yeah. of product placement. I Just had a, put it in and then have it.
1: I, I had a moment in in uh, you know this aside. This is another time where picnic popped into my head. I made this delicious like uh, I can't remember the exact. It was like a Chile lime pork thing that I made for my family the other day. Mm. Really delicious, and I put it in the plate, and it was rice, and I had some parsley in it and some garnishing and all this stuff. It looked awesome. So I took a picture of it, and this is exactly what Picnic is all about for you people making delicious food at home. Right, and it's not about restaurant food. No, this is the stuff you're making in your house with mm-hmm. your, you know, whether it be food from your own garden or whatever, however you put it together. You're taking these pictures of it, and we see them all over the place. Picnic's the perfect place for you to, to uh, share it with other people.
2: Yeah, and get conversations going, get... Uh, additional recipes around yeah. that food. So it's available on iTunes. It's a really cool app. And we're also really glad that they're supporting this podcast. And we're we're having a lot of fun just making a product.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I'll point out one last thing that I really love about it is unlike uh, Instagram or some of these other places where you can only post like one picture and then you have to do another one. And so you're bombarding people's feed with multiple... Posts, right. not with picnic. You can actually, if you're doing a series about my really awesome Chile lime whatever it was pork thingy, I could do five pictures and it would all be right there. You just swipe through and check them all out.
2: So, and the other thing, yeah. like B and Wildwood, it's a Portland company. That's that right, was developed in Portland. P-I-Q so and oh. I Q. Yeah, so that's we're very happy to have them. So B mm-hmm. the name. Mm-hmm. So so we're clear here. What happened was maybe we'll let you describe it instead of me because you're closer to it. But what exactly, if someone had never heard this news or read about it, how would you describe what
1: happened with... uh, What was the brouhaha? That's what what I call it. You call it the... the
2: I like the brouhaha brouhaha. What was the brouhaha? We're done with my word. Let's move
1: on to yours. The b brouhaha.
0: The B-Saw's brouhaha. So there was some archaic language in the lease from a long, long time ago that made mention of the building and the name being all kind of in one. And so it was what they based their claim on. However.
2: And how is that worded? does it, I, it didn't call it a restaurant, it called it an a, a, a establishment maybe? It was a
0: really, really gray area. And at the end of the day, I f- just felt that we had poured so much into making b a neighborhood joint, a neighborhood hangout. And there had been just countless years of blood, sweat, and tears to make b an experience that people felt good about, that they wanted to come back to, that it was something special.
2: And it represented what it had been represented for 100, over 100 years.
0: Yeah, there was just so much fun. History and story. And I didn't feel like they were going to do that justice, that they were going to pay homage to the all of the hundreds of thousands of people that have been through those doors. The b family still lives in town. They came in all the time. And I just could not... See, someone who did not care, being beholden, and you know having ownership of something that was the community's.
2: So you're talking about your feelings and what you saw. Now, what did your attorney tell you? Did your attorney tell you at some point that hey, they have a they have a rightful claim here? You're going to have oh, a fight. Oh, he said on they're just going to
0: stretch it out and waste my money. I have an amazing attorney. <laughs> In fact, I have two amazing attorneys. And he said it was going to be a big battle, and it was silly, and that I had to make a decision if it was something that I wanted to, you know, I was going to air our dirty laundry, if there was any. It was going to be all in the news, and it was, you know, at some point. And it was. Yeah, and I just kind of tuned out on that. I didn't, you, you know, didn't I did a, a number of interviews. I did not. So I didn't you- read any of the you know? Did you know
2: who was supporting you and who who was kind of speaking they out? They showed against up you?
0: and they came out in spades.
2: There were a few who were, who, oh, were who were not for you.
0: Absolutely, and that's that's fine.
2: I was surprised to see that. You know, you tend oh. to think everybody's
1: gonna...
0: everybody's got to have an opinion, and not all opinions can be the same.
1: I don't want to say I got a thrill out of it, but it was interesting to follow on Facebook different restaurant owners. And news reporters or so-called news reporters in town talking about BSAs, who had a lawful claim on the name none of these people by the way have any sort of law degree whatsoever but there were some may some some might <laughs> but, but some some were you know they were they were you know they're talking about their own personal experience and it was interesting to kind of get see all sides represented from different people coming in and, and trying to make sense I, of of the different claims on the name.
2: I tended to think and of course I'm fond of Kana I don't know. C.E. John, whatsoever. I don't know him at all. But I tended to think, I kind of went with your argument, like, in the end, who's going to do this the most justice? And uh, can someone who uh, is just talking about brick and mortar, uh, or just dealing with brick and mortar, carry this on better than what Cana can do? And it's in, it was in your heart. So I just felt like, uh, it, when push came to shove, much like you look at Wildwood now, whose interests were served by the end of that? Yeah. Negotiation
0: and the building is still at B-Saws is empty and sitting there as well. Right. So it's.
2: But it's they have money fiery. and they can they can wait sure. to do what they want with it. So
0: I just didn't want to be bullied anymore by them, and that is what it felt. It was personal to me, and you know I think it was a reflection of what was going on internally within their own family business, and there was a myriad of, you know, factors that played in. I am. Just thrilled it is over and, and that well, we've been able to over, move starting, forward, starting that we got new. the name. And this new location is just going to be incredible.
2: What's it right near? So It you know. is
0: right next to, adjacent to the new seasons that just opened oh, in so northwest a, Portland. So it's, so it's on the corner of, of 21st and Raleigh, mm-hmm. three blocks away. Yeah, Three blocks from Beesaws, three blocks from Wildwood
2: the newbies. And that hot business zone as new seasons came in is kind of expanding and 23rd and 21st are probably going to become one, even though many of the streets between the two are not going to be zoned for business. But um, that's.
0: Yeah, we're in a little early on that corner, but there is a hotbed of activity that is happening right, you know, within a few blocks right there. And The traffic's going to be rerouted down 21st off the Vaughn Street exit. New Seasons is amazing. The new Breakside Brewery that's going to be right there is going to be epic. And
2: And you all support each other. It's going to be great. So much like the question about um, hearing that getting the certified letter, how did you get the information that the V-Saw's name was yours and what was the first thing you did after that?
0: I think that... I probably just jumped for joy that it was wrapped up with a pretty little bow and we were able to move up forward. We're- you know, the one thing that I would want to say at the same at the end of Wildwood, at the end of b is just the only thing months later, looking back, that really resonates with me that I really remember because I definitely kind of swept a lot of the dirty stuff under the carpet was this outpouring of, just support in the community. And, you know, we saw faces we hadn't seen in years or, you know, the faces that came in weekly came in twice a week. And it was just awesome to see people kind of rally together, whether or not they had all the information or not, just in the spirit of solidarity. And it was an awesome way to go out. We celebrated. We had an amazing time. And all I can remember is, Just the excitement and the love that we felt at the end of that. So I don't have any ill will or bad feelings whatsoever.
2: Do you think, and I guess this is kind of a rhetorical question, but in any other community that would have happened to that degree? Of course, people like their neighborhood spots in any city. But I think it was a real Portland thing. And I'm going to guess you don't suggest it to anybody
0: yeah i'm gonna be happy if i never ever hear of that happening to anyone again
2: (laughs) and it's yeah but it's obviously been decent pr it's going to help you and if you listen to um the the podcast the first podcast of the year we had with kurt huffman he talks about this is a terrible time to be opening a restaurant. Oh,
0: it is a terrible time uh, there in life is all the fun.
2: Right. So but <laughs> you have some advantages. So that's a general statement on rest on the state of the industry in Portland. But you have a few advantages going yeah, on. Yeah, I there.
0: think it's true. There's a million things right now that are working against this industry, you know, from you know, the increase in minimum wage you know, there's a large disparity in front of house and back of house, and we're trying to figure out how we can navigate that. I just you know, I helping. just got a
2: press release this morning that Park Kitchen is going to no tipping and bent brick from, Scott f- is from Heather, such, actually.
0: Really? Yeah. He is. That's awesome. I'm really excited to hear that. I hadn't heard that yet. And we're going to
2: have him on the podcast, too, to, to discuss that, because I think that is the that is a huge issue. And, uh Anyway, I'm so you have he's those challenges. He's an ex Wildwood employee, as yes, well. Yes, of course. Yeah,
0: he is very cutting edge, and he is if anyone in Portland could do that, Scott Dulich could and absolutely
2: do that. And he's he's a that. he's a really good guy. But we'll look forward to hearing talking more about the front of the house versus the back of the house. I personally can't understand why it's why people can't understand uh, that the, the math works the same way when you get the bill and you sign your name and the total goes to the bank, it's the same amount. It's a matter of just, you don't put a tip down and the prices on the menu are a little higher. So get used to when you're looking at the prices, thinking, oh, this is more expensive than I was used to, just the next voice that should come in, but you don't have to tip, right?
0: Yeah, it's so multi-layered. You know, people's association with tipping, I mean, talking about different perspectives or different views, you know, it's amazing to get a conversation started, particularly with people that don't work in the industry, haven't worked in the industry, have never done a type of service-oriented,
2: you know, but, work. But what difference does it make to people? Where are the—as long as it's the end of the day? And I yeah,
0: you're preaching made to the, the choir. Pardon me? I said you're preaching to the well, choir. Well, I just don't
2: understand it. And the other thing is I'd really rather not have to tip when I walk into Starbucks— and order a coffee or just anywhere get a bagel and i feel I'm not,
1: obligated to throw something in the little
2: feel obligated for a $3 purchase to figure out what the tip's going to be on right. that i'd rather just skip that just take it and go <laughs> not that i so don't there appreciate
1: there's a reason alone to, to make chris li- chris's life easier yeah,
2: but, uh, but not that i don't appreciate <laughs> that people need tips i but i'd rather have that built into the cost of the item and not have to think about that and deal with it and and get the anyway so that's
0: and i like the idea of it being as equitable as possible. You know, the guys who, or girls who cook the food, are working just as hard. And they're working
2: longer hours. They're coming into prep. Yep. The servers aren't coming into prep. So, <laughs> anyway, I don't mean to make any enemies. I just... well, <laughs> I too late for that. You know why? My son was, my son worked at uh, Back of the House, and for close, you know, the folks at Lardo and Grasa were kind to not be at the minimum wage. They were a little higher, but it was working really hard for, I couldn't have, I don't remember working that hard for that kind of money ever. And uh, anyway.
0: Needless to say, there's definitely a number of hot button items within our industry particular. So, you know, costs of everything are increasing. Fixed costs are increasing.
2: Is your rent on B-saws? going to be more or less than it would have... Well, you never got to a negotiating posture there anyway.
0: Yeah. No, it's definitely high, but...
2: Is it more than it was? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Our fixed costs are much
2: Plus, you're dealing higher. with being closed for a year, so you've got to sort of amortize that in, and now the costs of retooling and whatever PR you might do, and you may yeah. not... I think you have built in...
0: You know, it's an industry with low margins out of the gate, so... You know, but I'm not in this for the short term. I want to be in this for the long term. And I'm trying to create two businesses that resonate with people and that our community and neighborhood feel ownership within. So, you know, it's just part of the equation and you just got to figure it out. You just have to be smart. You have to be relentless. You have to be.
2: Were you a relentless person moving into Portland before you got here? Were you relentless? There are certain things that you had to deal with in business that have brought out personality traits in you or characteristics that you didn't know were there.
0: Definitely, I never, you know, if you asked me 15 years ago, would I be where I am right now today? I would have. I'm clueless, no idea where. Not I Not in the studio. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> No idea in that direction. What a
2: disappointment. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I you think
2: she had the foresight.
0: <laughs> I love what I do and I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about people. I'm passionate about the experience. And I'm excited to get up every day. And I'm excited to go to work every day. And having the opportunity to reopen BSA's and then do something which is kind of our creative outlet which is something totally different with dustin is so cool i mean i just feel lucky every single day
2: so now that you've been talking about it talk a little bit about what people can expect from the solo club
0: oh awesome so solo club it will be next door to bsas there's going to be a large outdoor patio that they'll both share and it's a little bit of a complimentary style business so during the day, it's very much vested in espressos and pastries. And it's a little bit of a counter service walk up. It's very intimate, small. Some of the players are in this. Dustin Clark is doing all of the savory food. We've hired Michelle Vernier, who is one of the most gifted pastry chefs I've ever seen. She's been with Vito Vitali Paley for a number of years. She was at Wildwood before. We're working with Bull in China, who are just an absolute crack team in Portland, doing all things fabulous with cocktails and barware. And those guys are just incredible. So during the day, it's a little bit of a pastry espresso. And at night, we're doing a bitter and amaro bar. And kind my of by, mm-hmm, by way of Southeast Asia. Hmm.
2: that's interesting.
0: so I'd, we're I'd gonna like to it's gonna comfort. be a little bit of a dessert house, a little bit small plates, and a, an amazing cocktail program. It's very spirits based at night and it'll be open till one am
2: so other than that, it sounded daytime a little cocaine-ish to me. you know they have mm-hmm. um, so it's a little different vibe, certain, very different vibe during the day and then when it gets a little darker, or in the summer before it gets darker, it, things change. So, yeah, Beesaws so
0: will be doing brunch seven days a week, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. When it closes at 3 p.m., to prepare for our dinner service, which is seven days a week, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m., the solo club will start a happy hour at 3 p.m. and just kind of into the wee hours.
2: So you're expecting, my guess is that you're expecting a few industry folks. In there at the and three. That's that definitely hour. what we're aiming for. That's the that's the hour. So you had described it to me as medium plates that that at the solo club. Small plates. Small plates. Yeah. Where did you say medium? Somewhere in I the know. conversation, you it was someone else.
0: <laughs> but I can. I mean, it'd be small plates or medium plates. Maybe there'll be options.
2: Maybe I'm just trying to prompt Dustin or somebody to serve me a slightly larger portions <laughs> when I come. There back. it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, between Dustin's savory food and Michelle's desserts and an incredible bar program, it's going to be dynamite. And having, you know, this influence by way of Southeast Asia, those flavors, those profiles in both the food and drink, it's going to be really fun.
2: I Now that that recalls for me... Seeing Dustin on Instagram and Facebook doing quite a bit of extensive Southeast Asian travel Absolutely in the right. last year. And
0: that's his passion. So, right. you know, we couldn't be more excited to work together on b Have we said and Dustin his-
1: Clark? Have we said his full name? I think you have early on. We did early we did. on. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure. We've also got our
0: old sommelier from Wildwood. Savannah Ray is on board at b Nice. And a whole bunch of the old So team. you're
2: having fun plugging... Yeah. Plugging everybody in that is, uh,
0: I mean, that's the whole name of the game, right? We're not saving lives we're having fun uh, and that's what we want to do every day. And we want to keep it at that level and we want to spread the joy. And you know, there's, that's what Portland's all about. And there's just so many places, uh, to go and enjoy yourself in Portland. So many spots to eat at, drink at, and we just want to be another option.
2: Well, you'd be a good option and I look forward we're going to we're going to be doing an event. We don't have the date yet. Yeah, we've got to come up to open with up that. the solo club, but we don't want to actually announce a date until we know it's pretty damn firm. Yeah. Agreed, because, and so maybe there we'll have a medium plate or two.
0: Yeah, and right, right? now, get you know, these. <laughs> this was an education that I'd never had. Just getting both of these places open,
2: and they're not open yet, ah, so the education so continues. Close. Yes, but by the time this streams, hopefully, as um, long as
0: I can string full sentences together. You are. At you're the doing very. Once those doors open, you're
2: doing a, a great ah. job. But I look forward to. Um, we'll have that up at PortlandFoodAdventures.com soon, and. Um, Hopefully we'll have a nice full house. I think we'll have a full house when it opens, and we're targeting what I'll let you say it
0: for the Portland Food Adventure. Yeah, that would be the opening be dinner. That's the first dinner. Yeah, right at the end of February. Okay. I just wanted it to come from you. Yeah. Um,
2: and so, because you're a little worried about stringing sentences together, we have a a new thing here that's called Quickfire, and we just ha. want.
1: We I'm, just want to ask you. If court's gonna got you a few if, prepared questions yeah. here. I like it. Admit, admit to make this as simple as possible, and maybe get to know you in a different way. Yeah. So we've been talking about Dustin Clark. So we'll start there. What is the What is your favorite thing that uh, Dustin has made for you?
0: Oh man! Is it that, is that possible? I think anything with his baguette. He could put it on Cheerios, and I'd eat it. But his kind of brown buttery, oh, that sauce on some homemade pasta is probably my favorite.
2: Okay. I look forward to the Cheerios items, too. That would be kind of interesting. <laughs>
0: He's making homemade cereal Ooh, at Like what kind of cereal? That's a surprise. Oh. It's amazing. So in medium
2: be... or large bowls?
0: Large bowls. <laughs> okay.
2: And is that going to change up? Is it going to be a, a cereal du jour? Mm-hmm. It's going to be really wow, fun. that's pretty. I haven't yeah. heard the of that. The menu at b Saws
0: about... is
2: totally new. Well, talk about doing something different. That's hard. I don't know anybody else who's yeah. ever made homemade cereal yeah. in town.
1: So that's one thing to look forward to. You mentioned you didn't necessarily see yourself in this position 15 years ago, but as a, as a kid growing up, did you have an idol? Was there somebody that you were looking up to that say, "I want to be like that person when I get older"?
0: I was obsessed with Magic Johnson when I was a child. Okay, which, which is slightly bizarre. And are you
2: still a basketball fan, or was I it am just Magic as a as a human?
0: Nope, it was definitely basketball, and I am still a fan. So are you
2: a Lakers fan?
0: I am a Lakers fan, even though we have laser tickets. You're amongst friends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I would know. That's who my childhood. I had every collected every basketball card, as posters were covered on my walls. You wouldn't know it now.
1: All right, if you could time travel, is there a decade that you'd uh, prefer to go back to? could time travel, or I guess maybe you get, if you can time travel, you can go forward in time, but it would be hard to guess which decade you'd want to hit. Yeah, well, I mean, you might get there and the world would be gone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> which may be, maybe the, anyway.
0: I would say that I would have really liked to experienced, even though it's just a stone's throwback, the 70s myself. Yeah. I really, that would have been my decade. A lot of modern amenities, so it would have been pretty
1: cake. Sure. I,
0: but, you know, I could dance the night away. I, I humbly totally submit that 70s. I
2: experienced the <laughs> 70s, and it was a key time for me. I was, uh, you know, in my teens in the 70s. I loved that. It was pretty awesome. Can I just – yes, uh, Can never mind. No, you, do you have a question you want to throw in I here? was going to say, yeah. I'm going to suggest this for you and for listeners. This is a good opportunity. I've been binging the last week on Hulu on – the Dick Cavett Show, hmm. and I didn't really watch it a lot. I was kind of a Carson fan growing up, but Dick Cavett is on Hulu. You can f- access a lot of shows. So this weekend, I, wa- <laughs> I sat there and watched, and by the way, it was a 90-minute show, and they didn't have all the shtick then. So when, the, when John Lennon and Yoko Ono sat down on that show, it was, a, after commercials, an hour and 10 minutes wow. of conversation. So it wasn't like today where you see people come in for seven, sec- seven minutes and they're on and off. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. And there were two episodes with John and Yoko. There was George Harrison and they're playing. And then Janis Joplin, two episodes with Janis Joplin. So if you want to go back that to that God. time. Cool. Thanks for the segue because I've been thinking all day I'd like to bring this up on the podcast. So it was perfect.
1: <laughs> now It's my there's, pleasure. There's the, there's the perfect way.
2: Yeah. But it's really, uh, it's really a cool thing to do. And Dick Cavett was really a pretty fun interviewer and there was a lot there were a lot of quiet moments uncomfortable moments but he just got through them when in an hour and 15 minutes that's gonna happen right
0: (laughs) yeah just like today
2: and i'll tell you one other thing that was really cool because we just talked about the fact that we could edit (laughs) they had an episode and i don't remember which one it was but they had an episode where they brought out the fifty thousand dollar magnetic disk machine that would show people how to fast forward, reverse and stop action and
1: record. Oh, I think I heard of these things. They're called uh,
2: Yeah. But this is 1970 something v- and, and
1: the advent of VCRs. It was before, before. VCRs. Were it was before
2: of- tape. It was a magnetic, magnetic disk. It was a ma- and the and the guy, the guy who the operator came out with a tie yeah. and a jacket to show how this thing and they spent literally 20 minutes showing Cavett would come out, and then they would reverse it and stop it, and the whole, they were all marveling wow. at what we could do. So, for some perspective, it's really cool to awesome. go back. And, I'm sorry, you know. Uh, no, it sounds interesting. Yeah, you know, back then I was doing things in the '70s too that perhaps people might think he's doing that now too. So, <laughs> are <Maybe>. they wrong? <laughs>
1: go ahead, Court. All right, final <laughs> question here: Waffle House in Portland, yes or no? The Waffle House.
0: The Waffle
1: House. Have you ever been to a Waffle House? Oh, well, that's a tough question. Then. The, 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 yes. the one I'm th-
0: is, or which you one are say you thinking waffle, of? Waffle, I'm just going to say yes. Okay. okay. That's my answer.
2: Well, there's a Waffle House, there's a chain that's on mostly in the southeast. Yeah. So when you go to the southeast and you have, you're driving, you know, I used to drive up and down from Savannah to Connecticut all the time, stopping in a Waffle House. Right. And it was just actually featured on Anthony Bourdain's episode about Charleston, South Carolina. I not that yet. Um, where uh, they spent quite a bit of time, he and Sean Brock. Sean Brock took him to the Waffle House. And Anthony Bourdain proclaimed it pretty much the most awesome place on the planet. It, it, in, his, in that perspective. Sure. They were drunk. So right. That was it. So I, I didn't know if you knew it, but I just thought as the proprietor of uh, b that would be interesting to hear.
0: Yeah, we're having waffles. We're doing these well, liege-style so we, we don't, style we
1: don't need a waffle house here. You just go to b sauce Easy. Yeah. And, and get homemade cereal.
2: <laughs> so liege-style, are you doing the Belgian, too, or just the liege? Just the liege. Okay. Those are heavier.
0: Yeah, I think you're going to the find these absolutely noteworthy. They're addictive.
2: Is there anything else that's on your mind that when you open, the, you're thinking, other than the cereal and the waffles and what you talked about, that's going to really excite people again?
0: You know, it's a really... Fun menu, and it's available seven days a week. I mean, we have breakfast pizza, we've got breakfast chicken wings, and when you read the ingredients and how they're formulated, it's super fun. You know, we've got a classic Benedict, we've got some of the old throwbacks. You know, we really made every effort to have one foot planted in who we are, who we've been, and one foot moving forward, staying really relevant.
2: And what do you bring? What artifacts you talked about? First of all, there was a little like Watergate type of thing, <laughs> correct, at BSAWs, that you, yeah. you went in and grabbed what you thought was rightfully yours?
0: Yeah, just whatever my attorney told me.
2: <laughs> and the, that was an attorney, uh, And it was corrected. all stuff that
0: was correct, and that was ours. And, you know, one of the things is I thought it was going to be difficult. We didn't want to try to recreate the space, recreate BSAWs. So BSAWs, same name, same content, you know. We have the same ethos, and we're going to be doing the same style of food. Which, and with an expanded kitchen, it's going to be amazing. But the
2: space itself, the you'll space have some of the looks tiles. Very you, different. You grab some of the.
0: However, the solo club, totally new name, totally new content, is going to be our little homage to the old B-saws. You'll see the black and white stripe awning, okay. the old bar, the bar stools, the bar lights. But it's got its own thing going on, so there's a little playful nod Good to job. the old spot with that Good one, job. without How having it's... to try to, you know, recreate it and fail miserably.
2: Must have been fun to say, hey, you know what? That doesn't work there; it'll work here. Totally. Better. So, cool. Well, it worked here for you to come in.
0: I'm super grateful for having you guys having me. This was fun.
2: It was great. So we'll look forward to seeing you soon out there in the in the real world.
0: Yeah, soon.
1: <clears throat> Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Arielle Varinis. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com.
2: at my